It's episode 1082, and it's a relevant podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What's happening? What's happening? Dude, we're glad to have you back. We missed you the last couple of shows. I missed y'all. <laughs> no, you didn't. Don't lie. I didn't. I was in Malibu. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, honestly... You guys did not cross my mind one time, but not one time. here we are. He was in, uh, he was anyway, and uh, and down the street there in Nashville, our very own downtown Emily Brown. Hey y'all. He was in LA celebrating like love and music, and he he uh-huh. being uh-huh. yeah being one of our generation's great artists. While we were you know just here, just re- recording these hijinks for literally over the thousandth time so uh, (laughs) (laughs) if you want to know what you missed just go listen to anything in the last about a decade and a half 15 years you'll you'll get the gist yeah yes it's it's, uh i'm afraid to know what y'all were talking about while i was going like independence day going up i know something about fireworks came up there had to be something about fireworks. Well, we did our, our, our game that we do every year, Indie Band or Fireworks. Uh-huh. So is it a rock band uh-huh. name or a fire Who name? Who did win? It wasn't Jesse. Jesse lost. I think, I think uh, Jamie. Jamie, oh, Jamie won. Jamie won. Jamie. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. knows her rock bands, you know? Yes. Yeah. Jesse was kind of struggling. I, yeah. I was. Hey, Jesse, what's going on, bro? I think, I think I was too close to it. It was like, mm. if the game had evolved since I, gotcha, it would gotcha. be like watching someone from like the Bob Cousy era take right, the court, right. you know, against like Trey Young and Steph Curry. It's yeah. just the, Oh, man. She's flambeed you like that? The, the, <laughs> the game has just evolved, you know? I'm, I'm taking, you know, underhanded free throws. And she's out there, you know, jacking up threes from half court. You know, the, the game evolves on, yeah. right under me, you know. So, yeah. hey, we're, programming note, we're recording this on a weird time. You're listening on Friday. We're recording this Thursday yeah. morning. Why am I saying that? Number one, if we sound tired and loopy, it's first thing in the morning. Number two, this morning what? is when Threads launched. Have you guys partook yet with the new texting no. chat can i tell you why threads can i tell you why i will join tell threads me. tell me or stay on twitter based on the outcome of the fist fight between elon musk and mark zuckerberg <laughs> zuckerberg wants my business he needs to physically uh, uh uh beat up elon musk that's the era we live in it. whoever wants my social media business will win a fist fight that's my that's my take yeah we are living in the twilight zone Tell me when two of the richest men on the planet, yeah, Warren Buffett, are staging and oh, sorry, <laughs> are sta- No, but think about okay, let's run that back. Now imagine, <laughs> imagine Warren Buffett versus Walt Disney or Saudi and Sheik like, or something. Yo. Yeah, yeah. Right, they're like they're like yo, all right. David let's go Rockefeller. Fight. Yeah, David yeah. Rockefeller and, and the Vanderbilts. They're like, yeah. you know what? Let's go. Let's, let's, you know, we're going to rent out the, the Roman Coliseum and we just going to slug it out. And you know what I'm saying? Like, just imagine the craziness of that. Like, I, that's, that's I insanity. Have a, I have a theory, though. I think, right. it, it, here's mine. It's like, <laughs> 
Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg was putting L's on the board for like three years straight, right? One, he was- A little longer than that. Yeah, well, well, I'm saying like, fair point, but very like publicly was like, you know, the slow decline of Facebook into just, you know, boomer, faux outrage at weird political conspiracies. And then, you know, all of a sudden he's out there. This is where I kind of mark the decline, okay? It was when he posted that video of himself on the 4th of July a couple years ago. <laughs> With all and the, the white face has, of sunscreen. He has on sunscreen. He's riding one of those weird surf, those dorky yeah. surfboards on top of the water. Hydrofoils. With American flag. Yeah. His face has so much sunscreen on it, and he's on that hydrofoil. He looked like he looked like a mime from the future. Okay, <laughs> like he's the richest guy in the world. He should look like the coolest guy in the world. Instead, he looks like this weird nightmare mime. And then, yeah. and then he goes all in on Meta and releases what is objectively the most unintentionally h- hilarious video of our generation <laughs> of these little avatars with no legs, like with floating no into a, a conference meeting room. And and they're trying to sell us five hundred dollar VR kits so that we can we can use a a a less useful version of the tool we are all using right now, which right is now. essentially like a version of Zoom, right? Like yeah. he launched this whole metaverse and told us how this was the future. I gotta be honest. I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago. I don't even know if it launched. Is Meta is, is, is metaverse? Is it yeah, active? the metaverse. Yeah, hey, are yeah. people in there? Like, what's happening? He realized this is just one joke after the other. He's just one butt of a joke. He's like, you know what? I am going to take up fighting and I'm going to beat up the cool billionaire and and reclaim the title. That's that's my theory. What, this is all it, about it, just trying to get Elon, some swag. Elon actually challenged him now. What, that, that's, Zuck was just chilling, I think, right? Yeah, and then no, that's right. You're right. Elon challenged yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, I do not see Zuck being the one to initiate that fight. But I do think Elon said it in jest. But here's one thing we know about Elon. He cannot back down from from even if he says something like as a joke, like maybe I should buy Twitter. He's going to do it like you can't (laughs) hold him to it because he I think Elon has lost the ability to distinguish between like his own sarcasm and things that he has legally obligated himself to. I think it's like Twitter. I think he's like, do I legally have to fight Mark Zuckerberg now? And but here, here we are. And I'm in it. I'm in for it. Uh, Yeah. So I'm gonna keep it real, y'all. And I'm just getting back. So, but y'all know I'm at the gun to start off with a bang. If I was white and that rich, you couldn't, I would not fight nobody. Like, (laughs) like, listen, I don't even have, uh, I don't even have like a 10th of the money that either of those guys have. I'm telling y'all right now, if you come talking crazy to me on the streets, I'm calling the cops. I'll be like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm white. I'm rich, bro. Like, what in the world would I want to fight another white and rich guy? This is counterproductive. Can we go eat like some uh, caviar or something? Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> some expensive wine. Like, like, bro, I am not trying to fight nobody. But I'm, I mean, that's just me, though. You know, let me know. I mean, y'all hit me up and let me know. I just think like Elon's been getting so clowned because of how bad Twitter's been going and he's been taking all the jokes. And then like, I just think like it's just, I don't know, trying to be the man, puff up your alpha chest kind of thing of like, I'm dominant. I'll, I'll show you I'm strong. And like, it just like, he's a fool. Like, it's just ridiculous. I I really hope that Mark, this is the thing though. Who do you want to win? 
Because they're both equally obnoxious billionaires in well, just different ways. I don't think ways. there's a winner it's in a, this case. You know it's saying? a weird matchup, too, because Elon is tall and large, and he's built like a tree trunk. And Zuck uh-huh. is like 5'8", but he's really good at like martial arts, like Taekwondo type right. stuff. But he's little. So like, how do you, who wins that fight? A little squirrely guy or a big tree trunk guy who's a foot taller? It's like, but who do you want to win? Yeah. They, they both have screwed us over is yeah. via yeah. the algorithms. Like, I, bro, Meta has destroyed every algorithm that they've ever made. And then Twitter, Twitter is just a dumpster fire, bro. Like you just, you wake up one morning and like, Elon's like, oh, you can only do five tweets today. Like we're saving <laughs> on, you know what I mean? I'm like. <laughs> Gotta save on the power bill at the <laughs> server. <laughs> <part. Right>. <laughs> <laughs> the server is overloaded, guys. Yeah, you, cut only, back. you can only do five <laughs> tweets today. You, you can only it. read 10 of them. You know what I mean? Isn't there a movie where there's a boxing a boxing thing where like they both punch each other at the exact same time in the jaw and they both get knocked out? Maybe we can root for that. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm not is that not in it. one of the million Rocky movies? I'm, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I know me. I've seen this scene. I don't know where it is, but like it's I, a simultaneous this, this knockout. Is a, this is a if Will Ferrell and John C. Riley in the early two thousands made a movie about social networks, this is what it would this is, would be the climax of it. <laughs> like if if Will Ferrell and John C. Riley got together and was like, you know what, let's run it back. This yeah. would literally this like this is like the Flint Tropics. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, I'd, like, this I'd watch is that what movie. This is. I'd watch it absolutely, bro. Please let I right, for movie producers. Just come in, give me about five percent, <laughs> man. Go get Will Ferrell, go get John C. Riley, and let's run it back, y'all. Let's run you, it you back. You know the soundtrack. You know they had a falling out. They won't work together anymore. No. Yeah. But over over that yeah. uh, L.A. Showtime yeah, because- show. Because John C. Oh, Riley yeah. took the role of Jerry Buss. No. Yeah. They were both in contention for the role of Jerry Buss in Showtime, but Adam McKay, who's uh, Will Ferrell's longtime collaborator ever since uh, Saturday Night Live when he was head writer uh-huh. and Will Ferrell was kind of the star, uh, didn't tell Will Ferrell that they cast John C. Riley. Uh, Will Ferrell was wholly planning on playing the role of Jerry Buss. And um, I, I think Will Ferrell's reaction when told by Adam McKay was have a nice life. And so either way, Derek, to your point, that would make this fake fight even more interesting. It would make it better. Oh, you know what? Hey, how about this? Let's let me make it a movie. Let's make John C. Riley versus Adam McKay the undercard. Just straight up have them fight. No parody oh, before Zuckerberg like as it. like a warm up. I like it. Here, like here's it. we could probably load the card with celebrity feuds. But here, here's another <laughs> idea. 50 Cent Carol. and Ja Rule. We got to get that. We oh. That has to happen. Uh, I, that's, yeah. the, uh, that's the undercard. Josh C. Riley and Will Ferrell is the, uh, the opening. Who would you take, Derek? Who would you take? Oh, come on, man. I'm taking 50, bro. John, yeah, looked, 50, John looked pretty man. ripped. John looked pretty ripped when he was doing the uh, uh, Fire Island deal. I ain't gonna lie. I think Ja's actually in better shape than 50. Like you remember, we remember the uh, the Super Bowl upside down 50. We was like, dog, don't do that ever again. Like, bro, <laughs> to do, be fair, it's not that flattering that anyway. It's a lot of blood rushing yeah, to the just, face, just, swelling it up that a little. Again. When you was when you was 22, <laughs> that was awesome. You you 42, so you just don't do that. But um, anyhow, yeah, I, I think 50. I think Ja. 
Ja might have them hands, bro. But here's the thing: Ja seems to be a part of a lot of stuff that never works out in his favor. So I think that's the reason why I'm going with fifty. It's not. So we're going with fifty. It's not physical. It's just like man, it's like a aura of bad luck around him, and it's just like man. I don't know if you're going to be able to beat that one, dog. I don't know if you could beat karma, whatever that is that's kicking your butt. That's true. Ja Rule needs a new manager and life coach. Mm-hmm. Like, it's true. You're right. Mm-hmm. Like, he's had a string of like, really? Yeah. Here, here's my point. suggestion for Zuckerberg and, and Elon. Let's raise the stakes. The winner has to fight Tom from MySpace. And if Tom wins, he takes it yes. all. And we go back to when social media was good and pure. And Tom taught a whole generation like basic HTML coding just accidentally. You know, there was no there was no maliciousness. The, the most political thing on MySpace was you had to publicly show who your top eight friends were. That was that was the, the, the height of controversy back then. Let's get Tom back in the mix and have him fight the winner. Winner take all. They get the keys to all the all social media. I think that would be the best outcome for. for, for I'm everyone. good with that because I do miss my space. I mean, I was in middle school, so the whole top eight thing that really did have a big impact on the, you know, social <laughs> social, social dynamics yeah. of middle school, yeah. which are already complex. Um, but I'd be down to go back to my space. I miss spending far too much time, like. When in the HTML code, making my page look cute and sparkly and stuff. And like, I'd rather waste time doing that than doom scrolling threads on Twitter every day. I feel like that's a better use of my time on the internet. Exactly. Like, you know, the modern generation has Figma. We had CSS by MySpace, man. It was like, we're going to teach you to code just so you get this dope, glittery backdrop and you get a, you know, MXPX song to play when people jump on the page. It was simpler times, you know? Yeah, it was was more simpler for sure. But that's what, when you're in threads, because I was in it this morning before we caught on, uh, quite a while, just kind of, you know, seeing the lay of the land, reading what people were putting. It felt like 2009 Twitter. It's so stripped down. There's no, you know, ads. There's no, you know, multiple options. There's no hashtags. There's no this. There's nothing. None. None of the functionality of current Twitter. None of it. And it's it's literally a far worse Twitter. But people love it just because Elon's not involved. And so it just feels like this early days of social media, like purity. It's interesting watching the dynamic right now. Zuckerberg is played chess this time. Now, this time I could say. He was like, you know what? It's time to win. He's like, when are we going to launch this? We're going to launch this stripped down version of this app. We don't care because that uh, that limit that Elon yeah, did. Yeah, that happened on Monday. Yeah, it was, this is four days later. It was like, four days later. Bet. Run it. Launch. <laughs> For real. He said run it, man. Run it. Looks it looks like it because it is really basic looking. So I, I mean, I'm, I know that there's been a lot of planning in it, but there is a part of me that's like, I wonder if they did just... Go ahead and launch it because they were like, this is the lowest Twitter's app right now. I'm confident they did. I'm confident that's what happened. I'm confident they did. That's what I would have did. Because like Facebook is notorious over the years for like ripping off other social media apps. Remember they they launched a a Snapchat competitor that they shut down three months later. But this one I feel is different because everybody hates Elon so much or hates Twitter so much right now. I think this one has a chance to actually get some traction. And the integration with with your Instagram and Facebook yeah, people yeah. like it's it's easy, it's easy to have a following right away. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. 
Somewhere yeah. the Winklevoss twins are like, we told you he's stealing ideas. We told you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I need a sequel about them. I need to know how they're feeling 15 For years sure. after. Let them find But we don't want been... Army Hammer to play the role again. That's, oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, okay. okay, okay. I don't know right, if you guys, right. I know we got a lot to talk about today, but I don't know if you guys are watching that, that American Gladiators doc on, on. I watched the whole yeah. thing, dude. I thought of you the entire of time. Of course, I'm going to fire that right up night one right right but, let's do, <laughs> but but why don't we just morph this and have them do like american billionaires doing american gladiator type of competitions like i i get that oh. i get the mma but i don't know if you've ever if like it, it's like when you watch celebrity jeopardy it's really fun on paper but then they, when they're really terrible at answering trivia it's unwatchable they're not going to be yeah. landing blows fighting someone is real fighting someone who doesn't want to get hit is really hard it takes a lot of skill to fight they're it's going to be unwatchable it's like when you watch like that like celebrity golf it's it's fun on paper but when you watch it in execution they're just you know blasting until balls you watch and charles barkley do the worst you know what i'm saying <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it's like he's <laughs> like every hit you just lose a little bit more respect for them yeah, yeah like, for i don't sure. want to yeah. see you struggle like this absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely put, yeah. put, put elon in the in the unitard and put zuck behind that tennis ball cannon and just let's 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 hash it out the old school way i like I, it i like that i like i it. like that all right well we have a great show in store for you coming up we talked to social club misfits they have a incredible new album out uh you're you're gonna hear it on the show today i can't wait uh we also have have uh, your feedback at the end and right now stay tuned up next it's relevant buzz I'm to Jive Talk. The song is Trash Can Heart. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Relevant Buzz. What's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week, Emily? Um, quite possibly the most exciting news I've ever brought to Buzz. Uh, I What? Am, yeah, I know. Here's the thing. It's the most exciting news to me. And no matter what y'all say, it will still be the most exciting news to me. So... That's what I'm prefacing. Taylor that. Swift added 14 days to her European tour. That's it. Well, that doesn't impact me because I'm not flying to Europe. Um, unless someone <laughs> wants to pay for my plane ticket and Airs tour ticket, please DM me on threads. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it. <laughs> uh, no, the exciting news is that Netflix has um, officially announced that Greta Gerwig will write and direct two Chronicles of Narnia films. Mm. Um, so 
a couple years ago, Netflix announced that they were going to create this Narnia cinematic universe. Um, and they have done absolutely nothing since then. Just kind of dragging their feet, which to me and all the other fellow Narnian fans kind of hurts. But they're finally making progress. And they announced this week that Greta Gerwig will um, be a part of two of the movies. We don't know which book she's adapting. Um, but Greta Gerwig trust her with adaptations for the rest of my life. She did a great job with Little Women and she's doing this summer's Barbie um, which just everything about this upcoming Barbie movie seems like it's going to be the like film of the year. The amount of promo they've done for this movie, I really have never seen anything like it. It's insane. Um, but she's just going to go all out. You know, She's not going to make it like a bad ad- adaptation. Mm-hmm. I really think she's going to do a good job. So I'm personally really excited about this. This has been kind of keeping me on like... And directing it, right? She's writing and She's, directing it, yeah. yeah. Here's my question, though, is because, like, the Barbie movie seems extremely meta. It seems like tonally making fun of Barbie more than sort of, you know, and, and like, having this kind of, like, very surrealist approach to the concept of of toys that offer, like, an idealistic like an unhealthy idealistic look at at fashion and body image and a, a, a kind of this dreamscape of a world that you know seems to have kind of some sharp elbows right like when, when you watch the trailers mm-hmm. you, you know um even like it's sort of like sexual politics seem to be pretty evident um is she gonna take the same approach with narnia or is this gonna be straight up like we already have straight up narnia movies like didn't we have them like within our generation just like straightforward adaptation of c.s lewis like by walden and disney that was just here is the book on film is she gonna take some kind of weird sideways approach to this do we know well i hope there's no sexual politics in in narnia (laughs) that would be weird like yeah sir I that's the thing we don't know how she's going to take it but I think a really good example is her adaptation of Little Women which has been adapted like a bunch of times but the way she took it is like she does really well telling coming of age stories and that is essentially what Narnia is it's these kids growing up in this world trying to figure out who they are who they want to be and so I do think we're going to get some strong like I mean, it is Greta, so she's going to bring some feminist angle, I'm sure. So there's going to be some strong female monologues, I'm assuming, from Susan and Lucy if she adapts uh, the Pevensey children. But I don't I think a lot of people are nervous because she's not like an outspoken Christian by any means. So I think a lot of people are nervous that she's going to take some of like the spiritual allegory out of it. But I mean, you cannot Mm. take the spiritual allegory out of Narnia that it is you have to fundamentally change the entire story if you're going to do that. And I think she, I think she honors the spirits of stories really well, like little women and even Barbie. I think Barbie is like, it does have this self-aware, it seems to have this self-awareness that I think really works. And I think that's what she's going to do with Narnia is not take it and make fun of it, but just really elevate it um, and just make it. Maybe the best film of the century. Is that too soon to say? (laughs) I think think probably. Maybe if you can't tell, I do have some high hopes for it, this adaptation. Here's the deal. <laughs> if she gets a, if she gets a, a Tolkien adaptation, I want to see Peter Jackson's take on Barbie next. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the world's ready for that. All right. What else you got? Um, okay. Bringing down the mood a little bit. 
Uh, oh, great. <laughs> sorry, I got to preface it. You know, I, we're not going to keep talking about Emily Brown. About so the first things. one, you prefaced it with uh, the most exciting news in the history of Buzz. And then the second one is, okay, now it's a downer. Okay, I probably should have clarified it was the most exciting news in the history of Emily You're Brown. You're like putting together but... an album. You're hit, hit, yeah. You start yeah. with a hit and then you do a ballad and then you come back. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So here's the ballad. Uh, Last week, the Supreme Court officially decided to block uh, Joe Biden's student loan debt relief plan. Um, So one of his campaign promises was that he would um, eliminate student debt. He's been working on it for years, been trying to. There's been a lot of student loan pauses for the last couple of years since the pandemic. He was hoping to make it permanent. Not going to happen. Um, so student loans will have to be paid back. Uh, hate to be the bearer of bad news in case you hadn't heard that yet. But please yeah. don't ignore your student loans. I, I, Derek, what are your thoughts on this? I, I'm curious, like, because you, you, a big part of your platform is talking about finances and, you know, ownership and debt and making money. What do you think? What did you think about the idea of forgiving student loans? And what do you think about now that that's not going to happen? Oh, man, you're about to get me in trouble. Let's hear it. Bring it. Tell me. My my personal opinion, um, and this is, yeah, my personal opinion was you had to be pretty uh, a little delusional to think that the government was going to pay your student loans off. Yeah. Because they're not going to pay nothing else off. They're not like, it's it's like, it's I I can understand in principle the idea of saying, you know, man, the, the loan system is messed up. But it's the same reason why, you know, they're not going to retroactively say, well, hey, the loan system was messed up 20 years ago and you took a loan. So now we're going to pay them off today. They're going to their 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 perspective would be or most people's perspective would be you fully knew what you was getting into on the front end. You use the loan money. And because you didn't go to school for what you or you didn't finish school or whatever, there's no reason for us to wipe that debt away. Uh, because that's not a you willingly got the loan. You know what I'm saying? You yeah, but, w- willingly but went into it. That kid, that 18 year old kid, 19 year old kid is sitting there like needing to register for school. Obviously, doesn't have cash for it. Right. The only option is well, here's a quick and easy student loan. Sign here, and you're enrolled, right? And then they're going, okay, well, I took out seventy thousand dollars of student loans. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, everybody else did too. And now they owe $350,000, you know what I mean? Or something crazy. It was incredibly predatory. And, and, and so I see the reason for saying like, Hey, we need to call a mulligan on the entire system. It's, it's broken, but, and the government's philosophy, the, the Democrats philosophy was similar to the PPP loans of like, Hey, we're going to give you this money to keep people employed, to keep money going through the economy, i.e. we'll pay off your student loans. So then that thousand dollar monthly payment you're making will get reinvested back into the economy long-term long-term. Ultimately the government sees it as a boost, but my thing to you, why I agree with your pessimism about it of like, this will never happen when I heard about it is like, it's not fair. What about the people who paid off their loans? What do they get? What about the people, you know, like, well, they could be reimbursed actually. Okay. Interesting. My issue is not even the fairness of, this is the thing. There is what's fair. And then there's what's, there's what's fair. And then there's what is going to happen in real life, in reality. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What's, what's fair. Yeah. If we're going to be honest and, and maybe this is just for me being a minority, if we're going to be honest, what's fair is to pay reparations to black people. Like Mm -hmm. that's what's fair if we being real, but the Mm -hmm. reality is it's not happening. 
Like literally, if you if we want to talk about fair, that's fair. You want to know what else is fair? You know, hey, people shouldn't be able to just say, you know, whatever they want to say and say all types of racist and 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 awful things to people. Like what's fair is that you should make people uh stand behind their word. You know what I'm saying? But that's not mm. the truth. Like that's not what's gonna that's not a reality of how our system is built. And I think we just have a utopian idea of America as if you could just print money and delete money out of nowhere and nobody has to be held responsible for it. And that's just not the reality. So and a and a crazy part about financial things like this where the loans are predatory and all of that, you don't even realize what's happening until 10, 15 years later. Yeah, that's right. Even the government doesn't even realize what's happening until 15 years later, in my opinion, because I feel like there's smart people that are that that use the system to its advantage, like a prime example, or maybe the, some of the people in the government benefit from the predatory loans. You know what I'm saying? Like when you think about I always go back to what Donald Trump said, and I never thought I would be quoting this man like that, like here in this in this time. <laughs> but you all remember in the debate where they were bringing up this taxes and he was like, they were like, yo, you didn't pay no tax money, whatever, 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 whatever. And he said, you absolutely correct. And neither did y'all. And on top of that, if you want things to change, change the tax codes. That's what he said. Right. What he was doing was calling out the hypocrisy of how the system is built. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and my in my mind, I just don't see the government saying, all right, well, look, all y'all are in debt now. We'll wipe it clean. Same thing with the housing crisis. It was people that bought that that got loans to houses in two thousand eight. They should have never had them. They should have never had right. those loans. Those were predatory loans. But the government didn't come in and say, "All right, everybody, we wiping out mortgages because of bad loans." That it's just it, like it's it's what's fair and then it's what's reality. And I I just didn't well, see like that as Well, like the Republican, the conservative administration in the early two thousands actually changed the some banking laws to allow these junk loans exactly. to be yeah. to had yeah. and then the economy collapsed a decade later. Exactly. But I'm surprised. I, I, I want to ask you something about your take about the student loans thing, because liberals are, are, are especially upset about this because the predatory interest and, and like not being able to get out of these yeah. loans is, is especially a hurting kind of more of the working class, the teachers, you know, minorities, people who have less advantage to be able to have a high paying salary to pay it Absolutely. off more aggressively. So it's keep, it's almost like it's creating even more of a wealth gap. Mm -hmm. The people who can afford to get a job to pay off their loans and the people who can't afford to pay off their loans, they're stuck in debt for the rest of their Absolutely. lives. And and can't get a leg up, can't buy a house, all those things. I'm actually surprised that you're not like talking about the injustice of that. Well, so, and I'll say this, the reason why I'm not talking about the injustice, now here's the thing, those predatory loans are, that's an injustice. I'm not talking about what should happen. I deal in, I'm a deal in reality as to who pay, like you don't just wipe debt off. Someone pays for it. So the question the is going to yeah. be, who right. pays for it? And I'm like, right. there are much more noble things that the government should be paying off. They're not okay. going to pay that off. If they're not going to give reparations to people that they enslaved, why in the world mm. you think they're going to pay your student loans off? Like, mm -hmm. but we got plenty of money to go blow up uh, uh, a third world country. We got plenty of money to go. You know what I'm saying? But it's just the priorities of America. Like America doesn't have priorities that says the people 
in the country should benefit most from the country, that the, the mass majority of people should benefit most in the country. I'm just a realist. It's not that I don't think that, you know, hey, my wife is right now tangled up. She's a pharmacist. My wife is right now tangled up in a ridiculous student loan. Like, you can't buy a house in Nashville. If like only people that could buy houses in Nashville are people that made a lot of money in a big city and, and are downsizing or coming to a place where you have better tax codes and you've made a lot of equity. But the uh, person coming straight out of college, you're not buying no house in Nashville unless you got a, a great situation. Right. So it's not. Is that fair? No, that's not fair. Everyone should be able like when you go back and look at the Roaring Twenties, a guy working at a, a mechanic could, could wife could be at home and they could live off of one income. So is that do I want that? Hell yeah, I want that. But is it a reality? No, it's not a reality. So it's not that I'm not pushing back against something that I'm just like, that's not realistic. Like, I, I don't see America operating mm-hmm. in that way. So look at it as more of a pessimism of the country saying, okay, well, let me prioritize the common person in this country. Like, I just don't see that as a priority yeah. for America, which is a shame because it's our country. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think that that pragmatic view obviously has a lot of validity. And I think there are things I hear kind of on both sides of the kind of debate. But the other, I think the other kind of dissidence that is observable here is there is a sect that is becoming increasingly vocal, whether you want to kind of label it like Christian nationalism or, you know, but people who say we should be our our, our government should reflect biblical principles and, and particularly right. on specific moral issues. This is one that the Bible again, I'm not making I'm not making any comment about the the pragmatism or reality of consequences of, of this, you know, policy. But I'm saying just from a the strict perspective of what would the Bible instruct us to do? The year of Jubilee was the law in in Israel that debts were wiped away. No questions asked every seven years. Amen. If you held debt, it was washed away. That is a, a deeply, deeply biblical principle. E- Jesus even said, if you loan people don't, money, don't charge them interest. Like that's, that's the teachings of Christ. And so like you can't unmarry that from any other like policy issue that people will use the Bible to prop up, especially when it comes to you know, what, what are kind of moral and social issues, right? Like, oh, the government, you know, this is what the Bible says, this is what we should do. Well, this is one issue that doesn't comfortably fit in partisan lines, you know, but it does have, we do have a pretty clear biblical example of how, how when God was governing a nation, when he was dictating the laws of Israel, he said, debt holders, all debt are wiped free every seven years. No questions asked. Don't complain about it. You know what I mean? And like, I'll take it even further, Jesse, going along those lines. That's what I'm saying. It's not about what I believe is fair or right. It's just what I think America will do. But when you talk about those same mm-hmm. lines, you're just not supposed to even, you You were supposed to not glean from the edge of your field. Yeah. So that means you're, you're supposed to leave all of the produce on the edges of your fields out for guess what? 10%. The poor. For immigrants and the for poor. the bums yeah. that people will say, go get a job on the street. Y'all like, oh, you bum, you drug addict. Yeah, God said, leave ten percent of your field for them to be able to eat off of. So in today's world, it's like, oh no, you should. God loves those who helped themselves. That's not what the law says. It says He actually commissioned the rich 
to take care of the poor. Like at least make sure they got some food in their belly. Like that's yeah. what that's like by law. That's what you were supposed to do. Right. But that's not how America is built. America is built that the rich get richer and the poor stay poor. And it's built off of classism. That's how this works. So the idea that been, the rich th- are going to say, oh, man, yeah, you made a you made a mistake with a student loan 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to take our money. and we're, They don't even want to pay any taxes. Like, why would they pay for everybody's student loans? I don't see it. Jesse, I think it's interesting you brought up the biblical concept of Jubilee and the year of Jubilee and debt forgiveness. Because if you remember, it was applied in the real world in 2000 when Bono, or 2003, four. Four, I think, uh, when Bono and other leaders were advocating world governments, including the U.S., to have a year of jubilee um, motion to forgive all the debt that the African nations had, yeah. you know, because we had been funding and loaning all these African nations money that they had to repay, and that money was leaving Africa. So those countries were stayed in a po- like stuck in a poverty state because of the loans, and so they were advocating that the global powers forgive the loans, mm-hmm. and they did, and it helped boost yeah. so many African nations. Yeah. And and it's like the countries just said, okay, fine, you don't have to pay us back. You know? And it was but it took people like Bono and others like creating a conversation and awareness about the need. And like we can choose to do this. Right. You know, like of course it's not in our best interest to do it. But it is for the best interest of humanity, and it's the right thing to do. And so, ultimately, a lot of governments did, and it was cool to see. Bro, we yeah. are accidentally sending billions of dollars to Ukraine at this at at, at this point now. Like, it's did like, you see that they found an extra six point like, three billion? Which is oh, all, oh, accidentally. Uh, an accounting error. Like, yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. not that America can't pay off student loans. It's not that. Right. It's not right. that we we shouldn't think. How can we rectify this problem? Because we just be accidentally sending money across the world. Like, it's not that. It's not what's right. It's just what's rational. America will spend its last dollar on guns and, 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 you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And espionage and blowing stuff up. But, hey, you know, old Nancy that just took that student loan out didn't know what she was doing. And it's done ballooned into three times the price. Uh, we can't do nothing mm-hmm. about her. It's not. It wouldn't be right. She need to live with her decisions. Yeah, she was seventeen her years old. She need to live yeah. with her decisions. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's that's yeah. the American way. No other. Because like, is she, what were her options? That's yeah. seventeen, eighteen years old. Okay, well, she can't afford to go to college, so she has to go get a minimum or a minimum wage job, and then she's struggling. She can't make ends meet on that minimum wage job, and then conservatives would go, "Well, you, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps mm-hmm. and advance yourself, get an education." Da-da-da. Well, her only option option to get an education is to take out a student loan. Right. And now literally that 70,000 student loan is $360,000 that she is now a teacher and can never repay um. in full. And and then a thousand dollars a month is coming out of her teacher's salary, mm-hmm. and so now she's like right on the poverty line and struggling again. And and then people would say, "Well, it's her fault for not picking a more high paying career." Da, da, da. It's like, what do you want her to do? You know, like she is stuck. My wife is a pharmacist. But mm-hmm. the thing is, the more ex- the better job you get, the more expensive the education, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, true. And, and it's so you know, it's not just four years of school; it's eight years of school now, right? And right. And, and then um, you know, you gotta you gotta mm-hmm. live somewhere, right? And you can't mm-hmm. going to pharmacy school. You can't get have a job at pharmacy school. So now you gotta you gotta say, hey, I need this loan money to help me also take care of my housing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, y'all. 
this is crazy. The student debt stuff is for me, that it's weird because it was actually a big reason why um, I left my last job because I did marketing for a university. And I honestly really hated that my job was to convince students to go into debt for an education because I was mm. like, this is Emily, you are the problem. You are the problem. You're perpetuating a broken system. I left, so I'm not the problem anymore. For three years, you ruined countless lives. Now, no, she's an insider. Yeah. She's a whistleblower. I am the whistleblower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that was my job was like to convince students like, yeah, you do need this education. Sure, it'll take you 17 years to pay off this student loan, but like you should do it anyway. you know. And it was just like, I actually don't agree with that. I don't think that you should get a degree that's going to take 17 years. Like, I think there's other options and I think... Um, I, you know, it's, I really am like so proud of my friends that didn't go the traditional college mm -hmm. route and mm -hmm. went, you know, to a technical school or did something else, you know, just like pursued a passion and made it a business because I'm like, you did the right thing. Like, I mean, it was harder, I think, in the beginning and it might be harder in the long term, but you are also not stuck with hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans Man. because you did the right thing, you know, and I think it's interesting seeing, um, it, it is really funny because, I think about it sometimes people talk about how Gen Z, they always joke about how like they'd rather just like be an influencer and like be famous on social media now. But I'm like, influencers are making so much money and they did not go to school for it. And like people that did go to school, they maybe it's like a more steady income, but they're not making as much money. And it's like, but, but the other thing too, is that the education system, the four year system is so archaic in some industries. For example, mm -hmm. I feel so bad for people who have student loans for a computer programming degree, because mm -hmm. I was watching an industry talk uh, last night that literally they're saying within five years, there will be no programming jobs yeah. because of AI. Like, mm -hmm. like if you, if you, if you're carrying student loans for a programming degree, man, <laughs> you know, so it's like yeah. the, the four year system in this day and age where Education can come from so many different sources. Uh, it's like, it's tough to rationalize sometimes. There are, like, I mean, I think Cameron, you and I have talked about it. Like there are college programs that offer um, like social media social degrees, media. which is yeah. fine, except for the fact that literally today, a new platform showed up. Yeah. So like if you graduated so college yeah. in May with a social media degree, you have no idea how this platform works. Well, it's useless. I, I, yeah. listen, I don't know. So... I have tons of people that always ask me about music and they're like, yo, I want my, my son wants to get into music. My daughter wants to get into music. Can you give me some advice? Right. And they say, now I went to school on a scholarship. Glory to God. Thank you. I went on an me academic too. scholarship. So me I'm too. blessed in that way. My wife didn't, but I did. Um, and they asked me, they, you know, and I have a four year degree. I got a, a degree in recording industry management from uh, Middle Tennessee State University. And they asked me, they say, you know, what should we do? Uh, we're thinking about sending our kid off to school. And, you know, parents, I may want to screen this before I uh, say this. If you if you have your kids on the college <laughs> plan, but I think I think college is mostly a joke. I've not one time asked a person, hey, man, will you mix this song or record this video for me? But can I see your degree first? I've not mm -hmm. asked that. You're either good at Never. what you do or you're not. And I'll tell you when I knew it was a joke, it was when I graduated. I was working on my first album, uh, one of my first albums. And my hard drive crashed. Sucky thing, most sucky thing in the world. I walk into the Best Buy. Now, I'm doing my career. I'm out making music. I halfway kind of played through school. Like, I made good grades, but it was because I was I was good at school in that way. Um, 
this girl was was uh, magna cum laude. She was part of the magna cum laude uh, group, and she was working at Best Buy. She sold me my mm-hmm. hard drive, and that's when I was like, "Yeah, this, this is a joke." How many? And I, I know so many homies that went to school. They like, what are you going to school for? I don't know. My parents told me to go here, and I got to go here and figure it out. And now they're adults with that over their head. It's a joke. It's not just the loan system. It's just the educational system in general from higher education all the way down to the babies. It needs an overhaul. It needs to be rethought. And it needs to be thought in a way that's actually going to be beneficial for the common person. But it's it's inevitable. It has to happen. It, ha- well, it has to happen. I mean, it, it's yeah. an industry ripe for disruption. And look in the last 10 years, 15 years, the, the, the old, traditional industries have been disrupted left and right. And I think edu- mm-hmm. higher education is is due, especially with the how expensive it is. And it's just not justifiable in so many fields. So uh, what's the last thing you have, Emily? Um, The last thing I have. Okay, real quick before I get to this. When was the last time any of y'all bought a bottle of Sriracha? Oh, it's been a minute. It's one of those condiments I feel like you have, but you never recall when you purchased it or how it ended up in the pantry. Like sure. I don't ever remember buying it once, but I know I've always had it. It's it's you know what I'm saying. It's just one of those things. Sure, I, think sure. it com- I think when you buy a house, it just comes in the back. It of comes with it. It comes with it. Yeah, yeah. sriracha is great. I mean, it's a good flavor. It's a good hot sauce, right? Yeah. It's good. Sure. Well, let me ask sriracha. you this: How much would you be willing to pay for a bottle of sriracha? Three, four bucks, tops. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just a hot sauce. Well, I hate to break it to you, but it's currently going for seventy dollars online. Ain't no way. Yeah, so sriracha Ain't is no um, <laughs> sriracha is in a shortage right now. It's been for a couple months, so if you haven't been able to get it at a store, that's why. But people that are able to get it have been reselling it on eBay and other online sites, and they pretty much start around thirty dollars, but some have gone up to seventy dollars. Um, and it's one just bottle a, of sriracha. one That's bottle, insane. just a standard bottle of sriracha going for $70. Would you be, would you like, pay $70? Sriracha, no. Uh, how, how addicted to something do you have to be that you would pay $70? Well, I, Derek was talking about how much he loves it, but would you be paying $70 for it? No, not no, listen, I, Derek, Derek <laughs> you, know what, you know what else Derek loves? Derek loves saving <laughs> his money too. Saving his money. <laughs> you know I, yeah. I love $67. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I could think of tons of things I could spend my sixty-seven dollars yeah. on besides hot sauce. This does feel like a good time to like get all the, like you were talking about like the little packets that you maybe get with like when you order food yeah. and like just save up on those, squeeze those into a bottle. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You Make you some money. You know what I'm saying? Pay off so that student a, loan. Make seventy bucks. <laughs> there's a sriracha shortage. Two yeah. crises in this this buzz. The student loan crisis is not no insight. Equal magnitude and sriracha's in shortage. All right. Uh, Well, for more stuff like that, check out relevantmagazine.com every weekday where we're covering the intersection of life, faith, culture, and everything in between. Thanks, Emily. All right. Stay tuned up next. Social Club Misfits, join us. Homie, please don't slip. Told double we ain't friends. Stop trying to talk to the kid. Talk to the kid. Switch up, that don't make sense. Hell, maybe that's cause I'm rich. Baby, I'm. Hey. 
God sent me this pack, can I get hotter if we made the track with Sodom in the back? If it didn't come from the tribal, then it's probably gonna be whack. I know he's proud of me, I mean I'm in the bottom of my back. You're listening to Indie Tribe, No Big Deal, and John Keith. The song is Rich. Hey, if you like this podcast, but you might like it better if there were no ads, you can do that. Head over to relevantmagazine.com and sign up for Relevant Plus. For just a couple bucks a month, you get this podcast ad-free. You get ad-free unlimited reading at relevantmagazine.com, including the full podcast and magazine archives. Our beautifully designed digital issue and a little more. Uh, Check out all the info right there on the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Our guest today is Marty from Social Club Misfits. Marty's a friend of the show. If you heard uh, like a month or month and a half ago, he sat in for two shows. Um, He's joining us to talk about Social Club's latest album, Everybody Loves a Comeback Story, the Platinum Edition. Uh, He spoke with Emily about how Social Club is pushing the boundary on what Christian music can sound like and how he's inspiring other artists to do the same. Here's our conversation with Marty from Social Club Misfits. Going good to great. Tank it, throw it up. Did it for myself. You were not discussed. Took it to the face. Social Club's new album. <laughs> yeah. The edition is out. Excited about it. Uh, it's been out for like two weeks, right? Yeah, uh, it's been actually one. Yeah, two weeks, I guess. Yeah. No, it's been one full week. One full week. Probably when this comes okay. out, it'll be two weeks. Yeah. But it's been exciting. Okay. I mean, it's been really cool. It, you know, it's funny. It's like. Uh, remember as a kid when you really what I'm realizing let's go a step further back what I'm realizing is like my humor is based a lot in nostalgia right and I guess our whole generation feels like that so when I was a little kid I used to be leave the TV on and then I'd be woken up with this is the rhythm of the night you know and it'd be like platinum hits so that was the idea was the old you know you'd be w- woken up by platinum hits on available and it'd be like uh, there's a commercial that we were trying to make actually with um but we couldn't get the license for like all of our ideas there's too big so i was trying to get michael w smith uh amy natalie grant i could get natalie but amy grant some of these people and then make like a uh, our own version and then cut in the social club music video for like the uh, platinum edition you know um and so those commercials back in the day for us we'd always laugh about it so we were like let's make this let's make a dance album uh and then let's uh and let's call it the platinum edition and, and we'll and we'll make it that that'll be like the marketing behind it but the only re- i mean really the reason why we made that album to be completely honest with you is because in europe our music's doing really really well and um one thing i've learned about europe is that they want to they want to sing they want to dance and they want to do something when the music comes on and in, in america we just want to like listen to it and be like oh man like this is incredible but sometimes overseas it's like they just want to dance and sing and they don't even know the words but they'll they'll be able to sing the melody and stuff like that and so we were like let's let's just make a let's make a fully a full-blown like europe pitch with this new project um and so we did that and it's funny enough it's like we were number one in france number one in like we're number one right now in australia like the uh, the, the oddest countries we're just like it, it did really really well in africa we did really really well all these random like in egypt the album was number one so to me i was like just laughing about it how you know it worked out but in america we don't care like we only care about what's happening here the pink tape you know uzi vert but in europe they they process music a lot different so we wanted to make an album that sounded good enough for you know them to play in a club i guess platinum edition yeah it's so cool because i really can't think of a single like 
um, like a Christian artist making like a a house music dance album like that. Like I know that was the hardest part actually because we couldn't find any other artist. Like who who does that? Nobody. We couldn't find another person like to reach out. So luckily, there's this artist named Jamie Rock, who's one of the first guys who are really trying to do. It. And he's really he's more of a. It's funny because he's a mainstream DJ going into Christian industry because he has a heart for God now. And in a lot of ways, he gets rejected by the the Christian industry, but in the mainstream, he's doing great. Like he's opening up for like every concert you could think of. But in the Christian industry, he gets no love. So I reached out to him. I was like, Jimmy, um, I would love for you to help me. So he connected me to two guys and then he produced the song. So it actually started a lot from him. He kept sending me ideas. He's like, can I get the acapella? Can I play it? And then he'd send me a beat back. So Jimmy Rock was an artist that, um, it's like an EDM Christian artist, but he's the only guy I know who does that does like dance music like who else does dance music i don't know it's weird and in mainstream it's everywhere we all do you know we all listen to it when you came up with this idea were you like nervous that someone was just gonna like flat out say no and like push back against it yeah, to be honest with you, yeah. I mean, luckily, uh, Capital CMG, they're really, really, they're really supportive to us when we want to do things. Um, and they try to make it work. So, like, the team there would be like, hey, well, we're going to work on this and see what we could do. I, you know, but then I see all that stuff. I mean, this is me being completely transparent right now. But, like, I even see the numbers and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, we don't really get the support that we would get by dropping a song like a war cry or something that's more in the CCM world. And I get that. That because you know it's already carved out the idea if you do that we know where it's going to work but for dance music or even for hip-hop in general um it's like hip-hop is it's it's very much looked down upon i think it might be looked down upon because of how easy it is to create people think it's easy and there's so much of it you know when there's a lot of something it's like eh, it's whatever you know it's not a big deal but I feel like when it comes to what we do, you know, what we, I feel like we, we fulfill a position that's needed in the church, right? The church needs a position where somebody could be a disruptor, push everything, push culture a little bit forward. And we've all, like, as Social Club, we've always tried to do that. We've always tried to be the guys who take the first step. Like, we were having this conversation the other day on the radio where, uh, like, most of the artists that we have, uh, contributed to or been a part of in their career on the early stages of like NF or a guy like Foggy Raw who's blowing up right now as a song with Alicia Keys and then we, we before anyone was doing features with NF and certain artists we would always reach out to them first because we we love like the up and coming generation what's new what's upcoming and a lot of them are like yo we listen to you so now it's like a full circle moment but we're finding out that it's very difficult to transition into anything that's just not uh, the standard, you know, CCM fit. It's really difficult to be honest with you. And then a lot of artists, they don't want to do that. They're like, hey, um, I'm not here about, I'm not, I don't want to push the culture forward. I want to do whatever I want to do. And maybe if it works on mainstream, I'll, I'll, I'll jump over. So I've realized that some artists are like, you know, I'm not even getting love in the Christian space, but I'm getting more love in the mainstream. And it looks different, but I'm getting that. So it's interesting to see like, we're all like for me and Fern, we, it's not that we want the attention of the industry. It's that we know that in 10 years, there's going to be a bigger conversation of like, who is going to take the mantle? And so that has been heavily, that's been heavy on my mind for, for years. It's like, 
when there's no more Toby Mac, when there's no more casting crowns, when these guys just want to retire, who is who's going to be the people that are going to be pushing forward Christian music? And I, you know, I hope that it, there's going to be someone there. But imagine, imagine Christian radio closing down, like all these outreaches, all these things that we do now that we there's so much money in it. You know, think about before streaming started. There was an, a huge influx of radio and, and different companies, and then streaming took over. And it's like, all right, they're gone now. Now it's you know, it's now it's the strongest survive. So it, to me, it just feels like we're we're doing something because we're passionate. We love Christian music, but we also know that there's a power in Christian music and to spread a message of Jesus in a cool way. That we're I feel like we're dropped the industry as a whole. When I say we are, but I feel like we're dropping the ball on that. Yeah, it makes it is interesting too seeing how like social media has changed. Like even like you said, Nick D, like he doesn't tour, but he still has like so many fans because he's like connected with them yeah, on social they love media him and they yeah. buy the albums. Yeah, and they buy the album from him and they they support him because they like what he does. Whether it's you know, I think that again with hip hop, hip hop is is the only deranged genre right so the younger you are the cooler you are the older you are this is just the, the genre talk it's like the older you are the uncool you are which is crazy because in country and pop they respect people as they get older you know like justin timberlake dropped an al album man in the woods and no one was like he's so old if anything they were like he doesn't sound like he was with timberland like it's a musical issue um, and so I feel like in hip hop, it's like there's an ageism there that's really difficult to deal with. And then if you add the Christian uh, name on top of it, it's even more difficult because there's so so much less of us. And you know we're trying to preach the gospel in a way, but at the same time reach people who aren't believers. So like we have a mission attached to it. It's just it's a much different conversation, and there's a lot of shifting that needs to happen. And since 2016, I've been having this conversation, even with the head of the label. You know like what. What's the next move? And so no one really knows. But I, I have a, I just know that, you know, you need a Bruno Mars to come after Michael Jackson, right? You need someone to fill that gap of who's going to, and who's going to take the reins of these people. I don't know. And so I don't know if it's going to be Maverick. I don't know if it's going to be some worship team. I don't, I really don't know. Cause yeah, it, it just seems like the industry is so quickly changing and independent artists are are taking like Nick D is doing better than most of the artists on major labels, you know, and so it's an interesting conversation. And uh, again, but if you own your if you own your audience and your audience will follow you, it doesn't matter. Like for us, w whether we are signed or not, we have misfits who like we will. I will know how many misfits want to buy an album first week. Like we just know already, you know, it's like we come from an era we've doing this for 10 years new artists it's a whole different ball game you know there's a lot more to choose from and they didn't buy an album when they were you know in high school it doesn't didn't work like that for them so that was social club misfits make sure to check out their new album everybody loves a comeback story the platinum edition it's out now all right, stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback.
You're listening to Blonde Redhead. The song is Melody Experiment. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st, and this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus' growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus' message turns violent, he's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, uh, we got talking about Jesse's shady truck sale where he Facebook stalked the buyer of his beat up old pickup truck and found out that the guy's a Christian. And so Jesse, to rig the sale tuned the truck's radio station to the Christian station. So when he took it for a test drive. Yeah. Yes. So we asked you. He paid cash after that. (laughs) (laughs) I did nothing. Nothing unethical. But he did pay cash right there in the driveway. We got to pay these loans back somehow. (laughs) And then we talked about. Like in high school, I'd get pulled over for a ticket and I would tell the officer that I was just coming from church and I was like, you know, and all that stuff to get out of the ticket. You know, so we asked you online, have you ever done something to seem, quote unquote, more Christian to get something you want? Like, like what Jesse did or what I do to get out of tickets. And so what'd you do? You hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Oh, we're gonna have to evolve that, Emily. We're gonna have to do a, a threads for for this as well. Oh, um, yeah, find us on Threads for this next uh, next week's question. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just pivot. Anyway, you hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and here's a few of our favorites of you you fake Christians. Rachel says I left class early in college for Bible study. That was not then ellipses dot dot dot. That was not for several hours later. I wanted to get food before something technically not a lie. You did go to Bible study. It was just not the reason you had to leave. Good for you, Rachel. Oh, I love Bethany's. Um, She said, our pastor's wife got pulled over for speeding. When the cop looked at her license, he asked, oh, are you Reverend so-and-so's wife? She proudly said she was, expecting to get out of the ticket. He replied, I pulled him over for speeding an hour ago. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Obey the laws of the land. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. respect authority oh shout out to (laughs) shout out to nick he says we put the bible on a dashboard while crossing the border from canada into the usa (laughs) and truthfully said we're going to a christian concert the border guard then asked us a series of questions you'd find on the third the uh, third year theology exam we thankfully (laughs) passed sweating you know what but listen that canada u.s border is ridiculous like canada Y'all gotta chill. Like, bro, for real. Like, dog. All right, man. We know y'all got a cool country or whatever, but y'all gotta chill out, bro. Hillary says, my dad told a cop during a traffic stop. He was on the way to drop us off at a youth group event. He did not get a ticket that day. Hillary, you left out the most important piece of information. Were you on the hmm. way to a youth group event? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe <laughs> that that was Cap. Or does it even matter yeah, in her eyes? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, there's a lot more that came from you guys are just as shady as Jesse. So it's, you know, I did nothing shady. I did an on, I did nothing dishonest. I just wanted to indicate to him that the radio worked on that. It makes him more comfortable. 
Mm-hmm. He's going for the test drive. I, I, I basically you're staging a house. You're showing the exactly. potential. Your life. You could live like this. Look at you in this truck, listening to Christian mm-hmm. music. You yeah, can picture you're, you're yourself. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do you remember yeah. what song yeah. was on? Like, did you recognize the song? I, I, I. To be honest, Probably DC talk. To be honest, a lot of from to me. So at this yeah. point, <laughs> it's one algamation. Yeah. It was probably a big daddy weave. Hey, chill out. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was worshipy. I know, I, know, I know it was worshipy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mercy me. Mercy me coming in strong. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. All right. Earlier in the show, we were talking about uh, Musk and, and Elon or Elon and uh, Zuckerberg, you know, having their boxing match. And we were saying we need to raise the stakes. So... Like winner take all, you know, basically sort of thing. All right. So what we want to know is what two people would you like to see battle and what would the stakes be? Like what two notable people? We don't want like your mom and your sister, you know, but like what two notable people would you like to see battle and what would the stakes be? Unless your mom and sister are uh, notable people, like. Yeah, right. yeah. Like, right. If, 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 if you're the Duggars, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, or like the Kardashians or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, then it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Kardashians, Kardashians are you can, you can reply, your mom and your sister. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Hit us up on threads at Relevant Magazine, and uh, we'll, re- we'll read our favorite answers on next week's show. E- example. John Piper v. Rob Bell winner gets the royalties to like old Numa videos, but we're in for it. We're going to see it. I think <laughs> royalties are people still buying Numa DVDs. Uh, it's a low stakes what is, fight. What it's a low Numa? stakes fight. Wait, yeah. What's Numa DVD? Sorry. Okay. Okay. So in the, in the 2003 to 2009 range, Rob Bell was just a local pastor in Grand Rapids, Michigan, yeah. uh-huh. but there were some wealthy people in that congregation named the DeVosses who own the Orlando magic. Oh. And some of, some of them wanted like loved Rob's teaching and was like, Hey, they helped fund a video series called Numa where it was like these Rob Bell giving basically sermons, but like walking around in a city or like, it was just like mm. an interesting cinematic way for Rob to share you know, scripture and teaching and stuff like that. And it made Rob like a, a household name mm. in the 2000s. So it's called Numa. That was the series. Yeah. So wow. anyway, hey, yeah. I said low stakes fight, but uh, I'd watch, even though Piper is considerably older. I feel like he's very spry. I feel like he's a spry guy. I, I don't think man, I'd want to get You going to make that old man get beat up on he's TV, like, bro. He goes, like this. He goes hold, on, hold on, just one sec. I, I just need to tie my shoes before I fight. I'm like, okay, take your time. And he picks up sand and throws him in my eyes. Yeah! And then, he, you know, I feel like- He's squirrely. He jumps on you. There's a lot of tricks. There's a lot of tricks. Yeah. My he's wily. Yeah. Yeah, a known trickster. All right. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Social Club Misfits for joining us. Make sure to check out their new album. It's called Everybody Loves a Comeback, the Platinum Edition. It's out now. Also, if you haven't checked out the summer issue of Relevant, we're still rolling it out. We're still posting and sending emails. We're still still letting everybody know about it. So if you haven't seen the new issue of Relevant yet, go check it out. It's available at relevantmagazine.com. You can click on the magazine tab. We have an amazing cover story with Lauren Daigle talking about her incredible new album. We also have Arizona 
Drew Holcomb, Naomi Rain, so much more. It's available for free. You can see it right there on the website. If you want to see the beautifully designed enhanced edition, it's part of Relevant Plus. You can sign up for Relevant Plus and get ad-free reading, unlimited reading at the website, an ad-free version of this podcast, an exclusive weekly uh, subscriber podcast, and the beautiful digital edition as well. Uh, You can find out all the information uh, by clicking the Relevant Plus tab right there at relevantmagazine.com. Plans start as low as $250 a month. It's the best way to experience our content. Go check it out. Also, make sure to follow us on the socials. We're on Twitter. We're on threads. We are on, we are, we're on threads. Uh, we're on IG. We're on Facebook, all of them. It's the best way to stay in touch with everything we're doing. We're posting it all there. If you don't have time for all the social stuff, uh, you can sign up for our daily newsletter. We send the top five trending stories from our site uh, to your inbox every weekday morning. You can find out all the information and sign up for our newsletter right there on the relevant homepage or on any article page. It's on the sidebar, relevantmagazine.com. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown. I'm Derek Miner. We will see y'all on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on facebook twitter and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts browse the shows on the relevant podcast network which you can find at our site and while you're there don't miss the all-new era of relevant magazine a new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com not flattering anyway it's a lot of blood rushing to the face swelling it up a little relevant podcast network say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill